The Lewis Duvall Experience is a production of Soul Magic Studios. Welcome everyone to the Lewis Duvall Experience. I am so delighted that you chose to be a part of this experience with me. You know, you could be doing anything right now, but you chose to spend it right here with me and I am super grateful that you did. Can you feel the excitement in my voice? Well, listen, let me let me do this proper. I am, of course, your host, Louis Duvall, and I have to say, you know, I couldn't, I can't hold it. I can't hold it, y'all. I just can't hold it. I'm, just, I'm super excited. So you'll understand because I have with me today this legacy director, and my God, when I say legacy, we go back. I mean, we go way, way back. So this is a treat for me. So let's dive into it, shall we? My guest today, he is an award-winning independent director a writer, producer, executive producer, and actor. He's the recipient of Phila Films Silver Award, winning for his short film, The Negro Zone, in 2003. He got Bills, Intricate, Choices, The Layoff, Trip and Mary Jane, which was later changed to The Swing Series. And we'll talk about that uh, as far as what that was. Um, Television and movie projects entail the end, uh, it's End of the Line, starring Asia Sparks. But <clears throat> personally for me, the film that I have a personal connection with is his feature film comedy, Computer Love, starring Atif Lanier, Nakia Dillard, and Neil Carr. And these are just a couple of people just to name a few because he's employed or he casted half of Philadelphia actors that was involved in this project, including yours truly, and our guests as well. And that's just a taste of this man's slate because he is constantly, and I mean constantly grinding. Uh, what can I say? He is beyond highly respected in the entertainment game. He's one of the biggest supporters in the arts that I know of. And it's someone that you can consult with and he will consult you. He's just one of those amazing dudes. He's an amazing father. I mean, I've known this brother for so long. So I, I, I knowing him for so long, I actually tried to find dirt on him. And you know what? I couldn't find any damn thing. <laughs> he is as clean as my bald head. So I, I say that with admiration because our friendship, and it's not just because I am a friend, it's because I'm a bigger fan of his work. So ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, I present to you, don't play the player, hate the game, bars, Mr. Michael Pender. <laughs> Thank you for that introduction. I had to be like, oh, shoot, I did all that? <laughs> My guy. <laughs> What's up, Lou? What's going on, man? Oh, I'm chilling, buddy. I'm chilling at the moment. How about you? I am so grateful, as you can, you know, as as you can see from or listening from the list of stuff that you've done, or not wouldn't say stuff, but projects that you've done. Man, I can say it's it's filling, but I don't think you've done. I don't. You're not done yet, man. You're not done at all. Oh no, no, we, we just getting started. Um, like you said, we actually um in post production. We're in the line. Um, we are doing some pickup shots um, in a couple of weeks, and then hopefully we can finalize that um, for my birthday, June twenty fifth. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And then go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I won't get you off. You know, no, no, no. Go ahead. This is your man. Go ahead. Go okay, ahead. Okay. And I was gonna say yeah. So we're gonna finalize that June twentieth. 
or sorry, round, hopefully round June 25th. Um, and then also uh, today I literally just got finished filming um, with my creative partner, Atif Lanier. We're doing his workout series season two, um, you know, down by the sea with Atif, always taking it further, acronym for his name and his fitness company. We're getting ready to gear up to shoot the last two episodes of Swing the Series um, in August. Um, hopefully we can get that on Amazon. Got some weird stuff going on. Um, and I'm actually trying to package a couple of short projects that I worked on to see if we could take it to um, a cable network and see what we can get popping from You're that. You're giving all the goodies away, man. Oh, I'm sorry. You're giving I'm sorry. all the goodies Let away. Let me slow down. Let me slow down. Let me, you know, um, because you know, this is not going to, I said this before, this is not going to feel like an interview because we literally spoke earlier this week about film business, but uh, we're going to try to do what we could do, right? To make sure that this is professional because this is an interview, yeah. you know? <laughs> but, you know, I have an interesting question to ask you right off the bat. Um, and you just did it. So, and it's kind of crazy because it's an interesting call phrase that you do all the time. And I try not to steal it, but unfortunately it's infectious. <laughs> Everyone that is around you, it's infectious. You will say that. So when, when did you come up with that catchphrase? And it's politely, it's not just, yeah, it is. Go ahead, man. One, two, three, say it. Yeah. yeah. Where did that, bro, where did that come from? I, I, you know what? I, I've been doing it for like 16 years and then, you know, it kind of just started like, you know, I just, it just, it started as something that I I did. And like you said, it it's infectious because it I didn't expect it to, I didn't expect it to catch on because everybody was like, yo, what's up with that? Yeah. <laughs> hey. And everybody started like doing it. Like, yes. And it, <laughs> it's and it, hard and it, not to. Like, and it's just like, I would see certain people and they would just come off the bat like, yeah. So it was almost like if I didn't do it, I was letting people down. It, it's, but, um, it's the universal, <laughs> I think it's the universal pender greeting. I think if you had your uh, yeah. own universe, everyone would say, yeah. 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 So <laughs> I think the audience will probably be saying yeah as well. Not just yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Man, listen, how long have we known each other for like thousands of years, man? But, yeah, right. But uh, there's some things that even for the time frame that we've known each other, I think there's some things that I still don't know. So I want to start this off with what's called uh, humble beginnings. Um, first of all, where on planet Earth are you? Uh, right now, I'm in Mount Airy. Mount Airy. Philadelphia. Philadelphia, Philadelphia Pennsylvania. Got you. Are, where are you from? Are you from Philly? Yes, sir. I was born at the University of Pennsylvania Hospital over there at Aston Spruce on Saturday, June 25th, 1977 at 1.13 a.m. Wow. You must came prepared. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, if anyone plays the lottery, there you go. That's that's the lucky numbers right there. Um, for us artists, there was a moment that we realized what we were meant to do. Um, I'm curious, how was it growing up in the Pender household? Um, all right. So, um, I kind of split time between living with my mother, um, who's a single mom. Um, we pretty much lived in various places in North Philly and growing up with my grandparents who pretty much at least the first 13 years of my life had roots in strawberry mansion. So, um, my mom was really into TV and movies mm -hmm. and she shared that with me. Um, I guess my love for movies and my earliest film experience actually started 
um, I think it was prior to my third birthday. Actually, no, my second birthday when Empire Strikes Back came out. No, it was my third birthday. It was my third birthday. Prior to my third birthday, it was at back then. It was called the Midtown Theater, which is now it's actually the Prince Theater right there around Broad and Chestnut. Okay, I remember going there. Uh, my mom was a big science fiction fan. She also loved kung fu movies, and she just loved movies in general. No way. She, she was a kung fu uh, head. Yeah. Wow. Fact, I'm, I'm about to get to that in a little bit, but uh, yeah, she took me uh to see Empire Strikes Back when it came out because she couldn't find a babysitter. And I remember my mom, you know, was pretty uh, young-looking mom, so they didn't want to let me in the movie theater with her because of my age. But then they had let a single white mother take two kids who were around my age into the movie theater. So some older black guy, you know, spoke up for us. Wow. And I got to go see uh, Empire Strikes Back. And, you know, it stuck with me ever since. I fell in love with movies ever since. I fell in love with Star Wars ever since. And uh, I've been thankful, um, but that was also kind of like a little ritual, you know, with me and my mom. I don't know about every weekend, but a lot of weekends, we spent a lot of time going downtown to see movie theaters, whether it's commercial movie theaters, because back then in Philly, um, the commercial movie theaters were mostly downtown, and they were either on Market Street, Chestnut Street, mm-hmm, or a couple mm-hmm, on Walnut, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but most of those movie theaters were pretty much in Center City, and um, we would go to the Duke and Duchess. Um, the Midtown, uh, I think it was a, uh, Sam Eric, all the different Sam Eric movie theaters. Um, we would even go to the Ritz movie theaters. And back in the day on Art Street, um, I can't remember the name of the theater, but it eventually became the Trocadero. But before it was the Trocadero, they actually used to show Kung Fu flicks there. Ah. So I remember we used to go to that theater and that's where um, I saw Super Ninjas, um, which I think <laughs> has been retitled something else. Um, and um, Five Deadly Venoms and those movies right, stuck right. with me. And then wow. also, they, of course, they used to like show them on like Channel 50 or Philly 57 back in the day, as they called it. Right. And uh, Channel 29. You know, I used to love that on the weekends, checking out the Kung Fu flicks. I think it was 57 used to show them on Sunday. And I think sometimes when 29 was doing them, I think that might have been on a Saturday. But um, I just, you know, I just love movies and TV and it grew from there. And I think what happened when I was around 10, my mom took me to see School Days. Oh, wow. And um, just the fact knowing that that was directed by a young black man, um, that kind of, that kind of, hit with me because that let me knew that that was something that, it, you know, that I could grow to do. And now I was became, I became interested in directing movies or making movies actually, because I didn't understand the whole director part at that time. And then when I was 13, I saw boys in the hood and the way I felt mm. when I left that movie, I mm. never felt that I way. I never. Oh my gosh, man. Go ahead. Preach that word. Go I ahead. Never, preach that. I never felt that way. So John Singleton, I believe in our age bracket kind of impacted a lot of, filmmakers that way so you know after coming out of boys and hood i was like now i know what i'm gonna do i am in awe because i know we had this conversation way back in the day about empire strikes back because that was both of ours uh and a lot you know what it was a couple other directors that i've also spoken with as well it was when we all met in that one middle space of watching Empire Strikes Back, it revolutionized our whole entire world yes. in terms of what the hell did I just watch? And then right. it just makes that, and, and it's it's not even just the love for Star Wars, it's just the love for just, they can do that? Is that real? 
You know, right. are there something flying? I know what snow looks like. So is this really, what is this place? Is there a planet that is actually made of ice? And then when you get older, when you're starting to do like, you know, science and, and you start yeah. learning other planets, like there are planets that are just completely like they're, it's an ice ball. And they're like, holy crap, Star Wars is real. So <laughs> that's interesting that we both share uh, kindred spirits on Empire Strikes Back because that was my first love as well. But I tell you, when I saw Boys in the Hood, I became I became like a revolutionist. Right? I became a, rev- a revolutionary. I, I just started just I remember that I had this really weird looking hair back in that time frame. And I was like, I think like it was like the the, uh, you know, like the the box, the box look. You know, yep. like the fade box look. I look really flicked out. And there's pictures of me somewhere. Uh, I can never real one. <laughs> after that, right? And after I saw that movie, I shaved my head bald. I just oh, said, wow. I just said, I am, I'm anti, you know, I'm anti anything that doesn't go with the grain of my identity, like who I am and what I'm supposed to be. And it, it's crazy that, that that Boys in the Hood would be that film to change all of that. Now that I'm bald, I can't get, you know, if I try to grow some, I, I can't go nothing back after that. You know? so, so since I went bald, that was it. <laughs> my, hair oh, said, wow. my hair said, nope, we ain't coming back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went. I didn't go bald until Onyx in the USG. You there know, you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you I go. I shaved them off at the day with a bunch of friends in, friends in high school. I had to be the first one. I was like, well, y'all afraid to do it. Let me set, set off the screen. So set it off. And I sparked it off, and then everybody else shaved their head off. So, where, you know. Where, where, uh, and I used to think that, you know, because Michael Jordan did it, we would be all cool still. So he made it cool be, to stay bald. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think it was just, I was just very rebelish at that point. Uh, where did you go to high school? All right. So my family moved around a lot. Um, so I actually didn't go to high school in Philly. Um, I spent my freshman year my junior year, my senior year in South Jersey at Buna Regional High School. Oh, wow. Home of the Chiefs. Um, I spent my sophomore year down on the eastern shore of Maryland at Washington High, home of the Jaguars. Oh, wow. So I moved around a lot. Basically, what happened was, you know, my grandfather was a retired federal police officer, and he had a dream of acquiring his own land and the house, getting the house built from scratch that he could pass uh... on to his family. And he didn't want me in Strawberry Mansion anymore. He, you know, just trying to yeah. uh, give me a better opportunity at some things. So when he bought his land and he got his house, he took me with him. So... Um, but then my mom had moved back to Maryland to be where, you know, she originally grew up at when she was a little girl. And it, I just couldn't do it down there. It was a little too slow, not the South Jersey <laughs> popping like that. It was a little too slow. You know, chickens escaping the Purdue factories and everything running down the street, take time to take over. So, <laughs> and they played speed bump basketball. I wasn't used to speed bump basketball. We used to do some milk crate basketball. Right, right. The real course, but speed bump basketball, a little change of pace for, a pace for me. So, right, right, um, I right. came back to Jersey because it was close enough to Philly. And, um, yeah, so... So fast forward and after that, so uh, where did you go to college? All right. So um, I didn't really prep myself for college like I should have. Like and all of us. I was actually. Yeah, yeah that's all of us. Man. It, it was kind of like senior year just crept up on me and I really didn't know where I wanted to where. Let me not say that. I kind of wanted to go someplace that I felt comfortable. So I spent a lot of time on the Eastern Shore of Maryland. I basically grew up on the campus of the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. Wow. So I had applied to the University of Maryland Eastern Shore, but I was told by somebody that I shouldn't have went there because they didn't have a 
a program, a communication program, but if I really want to do film, then I need to go someplace else. So I knew I wanted to go to a black college because once again, that first black director movie that impacted me was School Days. And then, you know, you grew up with the Cosby show, which introduced you to Hillman. And and it was a spinoff with a different world. Right, right, right. You know, um, (laughs) so you were not cool if you didn't go to the if you didn't have a different world experience. Exactly. Exactly. So um, I applied to University of Eastern Shore anyway. I got accepted. um, But like I said, somebody told me don't go there. So then I wound up going to Lincoln University. So I started at Lincoln University. Really? Yeah, I started off on Lincoln University. I probably saw Jacoby, but didn't really get to know him. <laughs> um, wow. But, um, yeah, I started off at Lincoln University, um, and I had did something that most freshmen don't do, which is I went out, um, and I was able to get my own internship at Channel 3, or back then it was KYW um, NBC. Yeah, okay, um, okay. And I set that up. All, all Lincoln had to do was sign off on the paperwork, but Lincoln had a policy, strict policy, that they didn't um, – let freshmen take internships. And I guess I was super, I was still a super honest guy back then. So I didn't want to force their signature. And I was kind of upset about the whole thing. So I just transferred to Temple University where, cause technically for the film program, I'd had to go to Temple for a year anyway, to we Lincoln worked at the time. So gotcha. I just transferred to Temple. And then um, the rest is kind of history from, I mean, the rest is kind of history for me. Um, cause I met uh, my creative partner, I teach Lanier. Um, rest in peace. The great, late, great Carlisle Sigler. Um, Leah Crawford, Derek Williams, you know, I could go on for all the great creative people that I got to meet while I was at Temple University to help me grow as a filmmaker. And even today, if I need something, you know, they got my back. And even some of the opportunities that I've been presented with after Temple came from my Temple Connects. So, you know, I love Temple University. I'm, I'm proud of Temple University. I love, like, you know, my fellow uh, owls. You know, I didn't graduate from Temple, but I still claim it. No, I say if you've been in there and you've done a program, then you can claim it. Um, yeah, it, it's still, I got like 103 credits. Then, then, yeah, <laughs> if you've got, as long as you've got more than one semester's worth, because there's come, there's some cats that just went there for like one day and then left. I don't, those are cats that yeah. I don't, I don't really look at them as like templates. But I had no idea you went to Lincoln first. That is interesting. Yeah, I actually I started at Lincoln. You know, and it's kind of interesting that the journey that you went through in going to from one, you know, from one school to the next to then building your alliance or, you know, your your arsenal of, of creative artists that, you know, I think it was you, you were supposed to go there because supposedly you have went to Maryland Eastern Shore. Yeah, you would have gotten some something interesting. You would have been, you know, something. But I don't think you would have been who we all know you to be with the direction if you had you had gone that direction. So I think it was it was kind of fade. What do you think? No, I agree to a thousand percent. I was actually on a set of another project and um, the person I was working with, they were alum of UMES. And I said, you know, somebody asked me, oh, if you're, you know, you'd have went there, you'd have met this person sooner. And I was like, I don't think it was meant for me to meet that yeah, person at that right, time. Right, and it right. wasn't meant for me to go there. You know, like you said, I, I felt the same way. It was meant for me to be at Temple because I wonder, like, well, what happened if I actually would have went there or if I'd have stayed at Lincoln? You know, I still have some people at Lincoln who I'm cool with and I can reach out to. Matter of fact, we're in the line. Um, one of the scenes we were shooting, I needed some graphic design work. I reached out to a friend of mine from Lincoln University who's doing us a cool little sign, something small, like just a sign for a lounge scene. So, um, you know, I, I'm thankful for that relationship at Lincoln as well as uh, Temple. But yeah, like I said, my heart is at Temple. Um, 
Very interesting. I applied to Temple and I was denied because. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I don't know. I remember what the letter was, but it was like I got denied there for some reason. I, I just, you know, just I, I was I guess it wasn't meant to be anyway. Because right. it was like literally like I grew up um, and, and, you know, when I got to Philly, I think it was like around like it was like so Cecil B. Moore, Susquehanna, Cecil B. Moore and then, you know, uh, uh, Gerard. So Cecil B. Moore, I was like literally like right around the corner oh, uh, Cecil, and, and or right, like around on Susquehanna Street. So it was a walk, literally like I can walk to campus and then come back. And I didn't really want that experience. I. Where I, I grew you. up on, I, I was so in. I, I was so used to having, you know, like you go away to school or you go away and and be in the woods or someplace or just someplace where it's, you knew that you were uh, away at campus. So right. um, I'm, I'm. I think that that was. And how, had I, I don't know who I would have met there. I don't. I know we probably would have bumped into each other, uh, had right. had I been in Temple, but. I, I went to Cheney University, so and see you, it's, and it's like see you, T U is see you, right? <laughs> but what's but what's crazy is that our mutual friends that's in this business, that these are people that we both know, and it's like six degrees of separation. It's like, right. you know this person is like, yeah, you know this person, like, yeah, I went to school with that dude. He, like, so it's crazy, you know. This this planet is small, so. Shout out to right. Jaco- shout out to Jacoby Simmons because uh, you know he's a templeite, and I know that he works with you closely on a lot of your projects. So, uh, how you know how long have you been in this business, bro? I, I, it seems like forever. Well, see, but how I think long you gotta. I guess you, it depends on how you look at it. Because I was doing my little hustling and making my little moves while I was actually at Temple. Like I remember, I got to do some video work for uh, Universal. I guess technically, it might have been like my last year at Temple. Um, Actually, no, it wasn't my last year at Temple. Um, I'm I'm mistaken. It was maybe my next to last year at Temple. Because, you know, back in the late 90s when Philly was a hot spot for the uh, hip-hop mm-hmm. and the R&B soul, right. um, like Universal had um, put stakes here. Um, play from Kid and Play was living here, and he had a gospel group he was promoting. I remember and that. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I used to run into him too. And then um, I believe Michael Bivens from New Edition and Bell Biv DeVoe was also living here in Philly around that time. And I had got, I met Sandy. I can't remember Sandy's last name, but Sandy from Universal. I did some work for her back. As a matter of fact, I brought in the whole crew. So at that time, it was myself, Atif Lanier. The late great Carlisle Sigler and um, you know, our main editor Janine uh Harris back then. Um, so yeah, we did that, put a little change in my pocket. Um, I think it was the next year in ninety-nine. Um, you know, I took some camera equipment, worked with some crew <laughs> up in New York <laughs> using the temple um camera equipment. So I've been um, you know, I, I think I did my first internship per se on a music video set um you couldn't tell me that wasn't a big deal i think the music, I, budget, music listen, video budget was thirty thousand dollars we shot somewhere in south jersey <laughs> and i'll never i never know what happened to that singer but yeah you know um do you remember your you said that you mentioned equipment so as for some you know for for us nerd heads out there for uh for gear uh our gear nerd heads uh what was your first if you remember what was the first camera that you ever used all right, I believe it was the Panasonic PX1000. Oh, wow. I got it when I was, I believe I was 11 years old. And what happened was Panasonic took a cassette tape 
and you were able to record video on a cassette tape. And no play way. Back. Yes. It, it, yeah, I think you can Google it. I believe it was the Panasonic. I believe it was the 1000. Might have been the 9000. I believe it was the Panasonic 1000. It was a video camera they made for kids. I still can see um, some of the clips from the commercial playing in my head. Um, Cause I was a toy. Well, actually I was a kitty city kid first and kind of toys and rest by default. At the PC <laughs> business, but you know, the PX 9,000. Yes. It was the, it's the yeah. 9,000. Yep. PX 9,000. Like I said, I remember getting it for Christmas when I was 11. Um, and that was like the biggest surprise. And then after that, I believe when I was about, that was, I got that when I was 11. So when I was about 13 or 14, no, I was 13. I graduated to um, like the, big home video Panasonic joint you put on your shoulder. And yeah, 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 yeah. On to a VHS tape. The TV studio joint, yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, so I graduated to that. And then I honestly did not get another camera until after film school. Um, yeah, I was working on the um, underground Hip hop DVD series called DJ Blue the Bless Hoods Hollis, and we was around a lot of shady cats. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> somebody sold me the um, uh, the Sony, I believe it was VX one thousand, and I love that camera. We sh- sh- it was a it shot on mini D format. Right. Oh my and, gosh, um, the days of the mini. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't tell. You, you couldn't tell yo, me that when I got I, that joint. I know the feeling when I first got that. I was like, oh, I'm stepping up in the world. I'm in digital, bro. right? <laughs> So you could you couldn't tell me nothing, but unfortunately, um, I think the only time I've ever had this happen, knock on wood, somebody broke into my house, and then I guess my office where I used to keep that was at the top of the steps. So they stole oh, no. my uh, they stole that camera, and I had a PSP Star Wars Darth Vader edition that was sitting right next to it. So they sold that to they caught the dude who did it, but you know I guess by that time he probably yeah. had sold everything. So. How crazy is that? I had a similar issue. It was a break-in. I was at some Jones crib, and I stayed overnight, and I left the stuff in the back of the car. And I don't know. I thought that the neighborhood that you know I was at it was pretty safe. And they took they took everything. The PSP. They took the 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 the, the computer. The la- my laptop. My drive. Hard drive. Um, I had a movie on that joint. I was like, oh my right? gosh. And the cool, but the cool part is, is that I saved it on the hard drive, and I also saved it on my home computer. But I had to start that That's whole. Smart. Bad, I had to start That's the whole. Smart. But I had to dog. I had to start all over again. I was like, no way. No camera. No hard drive. No right? laptop. Just my just the rinky dink, you know, laptop that I had and my home computer. So I had to restart that bad boy all over again. I feel yeah, your pain. I feel your pain, man. And but- I had um I had a videotape in there from when I went to England with um he got bills in the Negro zone. And I'll never get that footage back. I think there's a little <sighs> clip that I put up on um put up on YouTube that I could look at, but yeah. So yeah, so was the Negroes the Negro Zone was your first? Technically, the first film that I did out of film school, it was called Intricate. And oh, so I, Intricate was first. Okay. Yeah, Intricate technically was first. Um what happened was I was a I'm I'm still a big fan of everything, it's not as it appears to be. Um don't judge a book by its cover. Okay. So um <laughs> Project Greenlight, the very first Project Greenlight. I happened. remember that, yeah. Yeah, and I, I I needed something to put in the Project Greenlight because I felt like I just needed somebody to see my uh, right, work right, in right, the rest right, of history. So right. what happened was um, 
I called in a, a favor from a friend from Temple Film School, Azim Siddiqui. Um, he brought his camera and his equipment. Um, he was my DP. Um, I brought in uh, Hillary Lewis to be my assistant director. Uh, Matif was my lead actor. Um, Harwood, Lee Duncan, Harwood and Lee Duncan, who are twins, were supporting actors as well as um, Roe. Um, who also did the uh, music for John and it was called intricate and um, intricate was what maybe a three, four page script about four black dudes sitting around a blueprint under a single light in the basement um, game planning on how they was going to make it to the midnight release at tower records. For <laughs> but they were smoking cigars and looking all, you know, dangerous and everything. Cause you know, that's what they expect out of us black men. Please, and, um, please tell me we could find some, this. So, some it's somewhere. Yes. Or is it, I think it is on. I think it is on YouTube. It's on I YouTube. Check. Okay, yeah, I think okay, it is. It's okay. not. I haven't put it on YouTube. Yeah, because there's, uh, there's, there's a lot of our. There's a, there's a lot of work that's out there that we've that we look at it. We cringe. Like Ugh, I made that. Ugh, no, I don't want to do that no more. But it's like it's still humble beginnings because that's where you started exactly. from. Exactly, and that's yeah. where I still appreciate it because of that. Um, and it was selected at the. Uh, I always had trouble with this one festival because uh, they didn't change the name several times over the years. But it's supported by the Philly Film Office. It was selected into there um, under the pepper pot stew category. Okay. Um, I didn't really push it on the festival circuit there because I only did it for green light. And the thing about what pissed me off, with, I'm sorry. Yeah, the thing that pissed me off with green light was they took my money mm. and then they told me that my film was too long, even though I think I, I met most of the criteria of submission because oh, I think it was like it had to be this long or this many gigabytes. Uh. So I was like, oh, well, I got one of them, so I'm going to submit. But they took my money. But didn't accept my film and didn't give me money back, oh, and I wow. didn't get into the first project Greenlight. And after watching the show, I was like, I was better than that dude. But um, so that's how I came up with Intricate, and then from there, Atif, like I said, it was also in it, and I screened it for a bunch of my friends, and you know, it inspired Atif. It gave him some ideas. He was like, Yo, I like the concept. Let's do something together. And I was like, All right, cool. So, um. I used to live in Germantown in this this mansion that was probably too big for uh for me, um and we I used to have this I remember that yeah to, that's where I okay yep. yeah 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 we'll we'll, we'll get yeah, there. we'll get we to that to, we'll get to that we used to have like writer writer meetings and they were either me and I see to write together or me and a bunch of other friends mostly Temple heads but there were some people who didn't go to Temple and didn't even go to film school who would come through and we would share each other scripts and give each other feedback and it was cool we had a lot of fun doing those but um, me and Atif I think. In four hours, we came up with 12 pages um, based upon experience that we experienced as black men in America. We made a satirical um, little hit called The Negro Zone. Um, I wanted to call it Don't Bleed the Hype because as you were saying, you know, you went through your political active stage at 13 right, for me. Right, right, it right. It was the same thing. And it was mainly because of uh, that was when I fell in love with Public Enemy. I went from Mike and Public Enemy to being in love with them with the period of black planet cassette tape or whatever but um yeah cassette so, tapes all the way cassette tape. yep yep <laughs> cds so, was not even that that popular at that point but no cassette, they were too expensive and they were way too expensive yeah, yeah so if you got a cd like you were like oh either you were bougie or you you know you right. got it for a present but yeah, it was all cassette exactly. tapes for me i remember i still got a stack of freaking cassette tapes that's like wow. now lingering around yeah, bro. But uh, so, OK, so the Negro Zone started when you so right after that. So it was you and Atif and it, mm-hmm. that through you guys, the brainchild of that. And what I would often wonder is that so there's act, there's actor director combos that are that's in Hollywood now. 
uh, that that a lot you like Ryan Coogler. He he uses Michael B in a lot of his stuff, or he right. will in, he will keep Michael B in, in a lot of his projects, uh, just because of the you know actor director relationship. I I see that with you and Atif all the time. So it it, it is a genuine director writer combination with you two guys. Is that am I accurate when I say that? Oh, hundred percent. Um, I met Atif while at Temple University. I was an assistant director on somebody's senior grad project and Atif was a co-star. Um, I didn't have a car at the moment and, or oh, my car was down at the moment and we had to go to a location. I guess to, it seemed like it's such a big deal as a college student all the way up in uh, Mount Airy from Temple's campus in North Philly. And um, the director wanted to talk with one of the actors one-on-one. So he asked Atif if Atif can give me a ride. So I rode to the location with Atif and Atif, um, more so, be- more so then and now. And if you don't know, you don't really talk to you. So uh, <laughs> he's in the car. It was very awkward, and he he put on Tupac, oh. and I just happened to mention that I thought the All Eyes on Me was a very underrated album, and then that was in early 1998. And since then, I haven't been able to shut him up. Again, <laughs> <you know>. So <laughs> we've been working together pretty much since then um, on a bunch of uh, film projects. Uh, we did a couple commercials together. We've done plays together up and down the Eastern Seaboard. So, you know, we've been rocking for a long time. And a lot of times it's really not like I'm working with a friend. It's like I'm working with an older crazy cousin. So, got know. it. Got it. And I would think that that's a lot of the director, uh, may, director, actor, you know, because you, I, I, I would consider you a, an actor's director, to be honest. Well, you're thank more, you. You're more, you have the, the skill because you're, you've done behind the camera let me wait let me take a pause for a second so if people don't know you're not just the director you also do in front of the camera work as well so when was when did when did you start saying to yourself i can i'm not just director i'm i'm also i i have some chops on my hands when did you when um, did you decide to do that i so, honestly it's something i've always wanted to do um following the footsteps of robert townsend who kind of also influenced me as well ah. as um you know, okay. Hitchcock would always make his director's cameo, but like okay. I, 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 I love Five Heartbeats. Um, to I this love day. Hollywood Shuffle. To this I day, still even, I still even <laughs> think Meteor Man is an underrated film. Listen, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would have to go between Meteor Man and uh, what was the what was um, Blank Man? Blank I love Man. Blank Man too. Blank, it would be. I still Meteor call Blank Man. Man to this day. I, I, you know, oh man, there's a, that is a very interesting open discussion as to which one was the was that you know the the very first of the first, and right. we can't and, and I cannot forget. Uh, uh, Leonard Part Six. Now, now I I will say, you know, of all three, you know, there there's some better quality in terms of storytelling with w- other projects. But to be honest, they were the first, you know, of yeah. that of the, of its kind. Meteor Man, Blank Man, and Leonard Part Six. So you know, we won't get into like what was better or what was worse. But we cut, you know, oh, everybody probably spend the rest of the show getting into yeah, that. But. <laughs> there'll be a lot of pissed off folks who be like, I right? love, I love Leonard Part Six. Leonard Part Six was my shit, and I'm like, mm, okay, all right, brother, but or yeah, all right. yeah right. Have so, a coke and smile, right? You know, God bless your heart and all your parts. But uh, so, so was it out? Of, it wasn't out of necessity. You just said you wanted to just do that just because you wanted to. I, it, it was something that I always wanted to do. But to be honest, Lou, because even going back to like some of my school plays, like I've had teachers tell me that that was something acting was something that I should have done or do. But 
putting yourself out there in front of an audience and leaving yourself naked, which to, I guess is the actor's greatest fear. Um, I, I didn't have, I didn't have um, the confidence to do it at first. So wow. it grew because what started happening was in college, people started asking me to be in their movies. Like the student film that I met at and I wasn't supposed to be in it, but I played, I think the guy who was supposed to be in it backed out. So it's actually kind That's of usually how it happens. With my acting. That's yeah. usually how it happens. And I was like, all right, cool. Um, I'm gonna play it. I you know, I told the director I was gonna play it a certain way, and he was like, Cool. So I went, oh, uh, we actually we went together to the Salvation Army. I got this uh like 1978, like light blue and maybe gray suit jacket and the pink tie. <laughs> and uh, uh, Ernestine Johnson, who was a co-star slash makeup person, I asked her if I could borrow her thong. And oh, um, wow. I tucked it in my pocket. It actually started with my back to the camera. Um, so I was introduced first and I spent the round. I was supposed to be like a cheesy a cheesy preacher marrying um uh, I teach character to, um, <laughs> I guess somebody else. You were, and you I, were a preacher. And I did my, yeah, I did my, uh, impersonation of Arsenio Hall from coming to America and everybody loved it. Oh, and everybody talked about how I stole the scene. Wow. Or the movie. Um, and then from there, I was also, uh, somebody else had asked me to be in their, uh, movie. They said, yo, Mike, I just need somebody to say this one line. And I was nervous as heck, but it can, it didn't come across like that. And everybody also liked that one little line that I delivered. So it just from there, kind of it it, it kind of built and it, it grew. Like because I wasn't even supposed to be in the Negro Zone. Most people don't realize that. Like that um, came out of necessity. Once again, it was written for a white actor to do a completely different scene, and because of the subject matter, he felt uncomfortable. And he literally backed out the night wow. before. And he called Atif, but he didn't call me. And then Atif was like, yo, such and such backed out. Uh, what are we going to do? And I was like, I got it. Just roll with me. He was like, what are we going to do? <laughs> I was like, just, just roll with me. I got it. And like that whole sequence of me playing Clarence Thomas in the Negro Zone was literally on the spot. Like I brought a suit with me. I showed up. Atif was like, yo, why you got a suit? I was like, just roll with me. And then... um I was like, is he put the camera there? Chief, we going to do this? And, like, we added the whole scene. And, and if you watch it again, like, our team is laughing because he didn't know that. <laughs> yes, I remember. And I, was just- <laughs> I, I was, I, I often wondered, like, what was so funny? Was that a part of it just because of the character you were playing? What was the, it, it's, first of all, the Negro, uh, Negro, the Negro zone is brilliant. It is, well, it, it still holds weight to this day. Production value wise, everything it doesn't matter because of the content that actually that that it actually holds i can see why it won you know the 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 award that it won because it's something i've never seen before and i don't know if anyone has ever seen it before so you know it's like it there's certain things that repeats history like you oh i've seen this before i've seen this in other things like people will borrow this i didn't i've never seen i mean even though the the name of it is very heavily almost like the twilight zone but, right, and that's where our chief uh, basically, uh, I guess, drew some reference from was the the Twilight Zone. He wanted something to shock and all, and I was there. I, I thought that was great because, like I said, my first suggestion was, like I said, I was a big PE fan. I was like, right, don't believe the don't hype. Believe the hype. He was like, no, we gotta go a little deeper. And he said, how about the Negro Zone? I was like, I like that. Yeah, and then it looked it looked great on the T shirt because everywhere we was with the T shirt, people wanted to buy the T shirts. I think we need to bring them Jones back. 
Well, <laughs> I, 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 you know, since I asked the question about it, you know, I'm curious, has, you know, well, I know that the Negro Zone, it, it is like, you don't want to, in the world of rebooting, in the world of, you know, taking something that was already there and then revamping it or or revitalizing it, you know, in this stage of of Hollywood that has been like the, let's reboot it. You know, Mortal Kombat, let's reboot it. There are certain things that are just meant to just be left as it is. But have you ever thought about doing the Negro Zone again? Yes, Uh, Jacoby is a big champion of doing the updated or- Really? a reboot version of that and I, I i feel him but it's just something we haven't sat down to do i know i teach it's like you said like leave it alone it, you know it was gold it, it turned into something we didn't expect because i'm with again, the teeth i'm with that the teeth. We, you know we did that project we started with 300 dollars. <laughs> um we did it to get in well we did it to win the american black film festival in miami we did not get in. We got laughed at uh, by Urban World. Really? But, um, we submitted it to, actually, I showed it to Ernestine Johnson, my friend from Temple. And she said, yo, I like that movie. I think that's really good. That's fresh. Um, something new. Um, can you submit it to my friend Daryl Henderson, who's just starting? Um, no, actually, it wasn't even for. Uh, well, I think it was for Phil Film. I think it was for Phil Film. He said he's doing, he's doing this film festival called Phil Film. I think you should give it to him. So I was like, all right, cool. So um, that, that's, that's how, how you knew Daryl. Yep. That's how I meet Daryl Henderson. Wow. Um, so yeah, I go down to back then because he had the, uh, I guess, the license place. We helped you with license. Yes. It's license street. Yes. And in, off in Spring Garden. Yes. Right. And I just had, she just gave me the address. So when I go there, and I'm, I see this license place, like, I'm like, huh? This is a film festival? Because <laughs> I'm going in, I'm like, I'm looking for Daryl. He's going back. And I'm like, okay. So I go in the back, and then he's sitting there. Uh, he's like, hey, how you doing? And I, I told him what I was and what I had. He's okay. Here, you know, give me the film. Get, fill out this information and yada, yada, yada. So I was like, uh, okay. So I submitted it. Um, I don't know what I expected. Got a phone call from him that we have been accepted and that we were going to be screaming at the um, uh, somewhere on UPenn campus. It wasn't even an international house, but they were, we, I think it was the joint right there, like 34th and 34th and uh, Walnut 34th and yeah, Spru- th- either chestnut. chestnut. Yes. Like yes, yes. I know what you're talking chestnut. about. Yeah. I, I know. I think so, I knew. Yeah. Like every, like almost, almost everybody involved in the film came through definitely supported because somewhere floating around here and amongst all my pictures, there's a picture, this great group shot that we had. And it just felt great that everybody there was enjoying it. And some people who weren't even wow. in the project came out to support it. People was coming up to me before the movie was screen, give me the headshots. Wow. And, um, just seeing how the audience was impacted. Like, Oh, this is great. And I went home happy. And, um, there was, I think Daryl before I walked out said there was going to be an award ceremony on such and such day, but, I guess because I didn't get a formal invite, I was like, oh, well, I guess that means we didn't win. Um, so I stayed home. I team stayed home. Everybody else involved in <laughs> this project stayed home except for one of the main actors. And then I got a call that night, like, yo, we, we won. And I'm like, we won what? We won Phil Film. Wow. I was like, get out of here. And then I called everybody, and it was like, it was almost like a groundswell. Um, Wow. Because not everybody who was a part of the project, there was one person in particular who didn't fill the project. And I think them not, after we didn't get an ABFF, their energy kind of 
pulled almost everybody's energy down, but I was like, I think we got some here, so I got to push it. So um, from filler film, that little film turned into like the little film that could because it started appearing in a bunch of other film festivals. And to this day, I thought it was Mike Dennis. Well, I'm sorry, not to this day, but till last, up until last year, I thought it was Mike Dennis was the one who was circulating our film around because we weren't submitting to film festivals, but we were getting phone calls from other film festivals saying, hey, I got your film, The Negro Zone, down here in Charlotte. I got your film, The Negro Zone, wow. here. And it was just popping up in film festivals all over the United States. And then we went to ABFF the following year. It was like, we were just going to take our film and see what happens. And, you know, you... you you're supposed to go down there and network because you never know who's who or who's going to be Right, right, right. And I saw this older black lady in a white suit with a hat on, bucket hat, and a cane, and nobody was talking to her. I was like, well, ain't nobody talking to that lady. So I just went over there being friendly old me. Hey, how you doing? My name is Mike Bender, director, da-da-da-da. And she was like, oh, great. Um, I forget her name, and I feel bad about it. But she had uh, she worked for, she used to work for BBC. She was starting her own film festival. Wow. And she was interested in what she heard about the Negro Zone, and she wanted us to submit it. So I was like, all right, cool. I let our team know, and, and later that night, we went to a film festival. And she also had a partner or a friend who was starting her own film festival over there in London. And we gave them the film, and they loved it. And um, it was in two film festivals. I forget the first one. Um, but... The second film festival, which was the International um, Black um, the International Black Media Film Festival in Oxford, England. Um, wow. It screened over there before, I think the year before I actually went. So it was screened over there in 2004. So fast forward, 2005, we just finished our film. Um, he got bills. Um, they were going to screen the Negro Zone because it did so well over there the year before. And this time they were actually going to play it as part of Best of Fest. Um, and they wanted the, premier, the world premiere of my short film, he got bills, um, which was great. And then they put like the poster for it on like on the giant double decker buses that was wow. all through Oxford, England, and the whole official movie poster for he got bills. So I went over there feeling like a, a, a honestly, I felt like a celebrity, um, <laughs> as you should, because <laughs> I went over there and all the people who was involved with it last the year before they would tell me how much they meant it. And one guy wanted to argue me what I was really trying to say with it. And like, wow. And wow. I was at the film festival with people from all over the world. Like there was a, an independent film producer. Um, it was a husband and a wife. They did a film called justice that had Roger Guinevere Smith in it. It had uh, Kimberly Elise in it and it had Monica Calhoun in, it, I believe. And they were looking at me, and then there was an ambassador from, I can't remember which, uh, Caribbean island who did a documentary on growing up Caribbean. And then there was another um, producer from Jamaica. I think she was actually from British, but she produced a Jamaican film that had a uh, younger uh, Idris Alba in it. Uh, oh, Maya yeah. Marley, Get out of here. And a few other people. Um, and they're all looking at me because I'm getting attention from everybody at the right, right, right. And they're looking at me like, who's, who's this guy? <laughs> and then, so we all, you know, filmmakers in the festival, we all had to have breakfast together. So I guess after them seeing like, who is this? Who is this dude? And I was like, I'm just a, I'm just a young dude from North Philly who made a little eight hundred dollar movie and you know whatever. And they just started asking me questions. And I really actually wish I had followed up with some of those people just to, you know, just stay connected. Um, but like that, that experience made me feel great. Cause like I said, I'm, I'm sitting at these people whose budgets was $30,000 on up. Like, right. Right. And they all looking at me like, why is everybody like, you don't have like Dries Alba or Roger Gordon Smith or Kimberly Elise or any of these other people. Or you, you definitely apparently don't seem like you have our budgets and you know, everybody's going crazy over this little movie. Cause um, 
He got bills because it it kind of spoofed a lot of Spike Lee movies, which apparently weren't seen in Britain. It wasn't as well received as the Negro Zone. Like the Negro Zone, unfortunately for black people, is something that's universally relatable. So it mm. you know it was like yeah, it was it was just a great experience. Like I said, I think that might have been the first time, or yeah, might have been the first time I felt like. You know, uh, I guess you could say almost like some, I got some kind of star treatment and it, it just blew my mind on top of the fact that I was in another country and I was at a film festival with people from around the world and getting this kind of attention. Like to me, it felt great. Like I know the International Black Media Film Festival is not the most notarized film festival out there, but it's still it's still to me is one of my um, crowning moments. And um, we were actually signed with Lemons. I'm sorry, with um, Simmons Lathan Media. For okay. distribution for the Negro Zone. Okay. Um, they didn't do nothing with it, so I teeth talked them out of getting us released, and we were able to four wall it, and we were actually started our own college tour that took us around the country. That's something once again with a little three hundred dollar movie. I didn't expect like we wound up going to um, almost every college in what New Orleans on like a little tour. Like so, we did Dillard University, we did Xavier University, we did Tulane University. Then it also took us to um, was it University of Minnesota. Wow. Um, California Lutheran University, Virginia State University. Like we were literally like traveling all over the country with this little movie that we started out with 300 bucks and maybe by the end of it, spend a lot more money on it. But, you know, so not only were we doing well on a festival circuit across the country and overseas, but we were getting attention like four walling ourselves, like getting paid to come show our movie and basically talk about uh, the state of America and, you know, on college campuses. And matter of fact, University of Tennessee, that was a great experience too, because like their black alumni came out, like was, was huge. Wow. We had a green room and like it was fruit and they, 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 Got us from the hotel and 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 like this limo and they, they gave us for diem and they paid us to come out there and on top of paying us for diem they gave us they took us to dinner at some steakhouse right off the river and wow it, like that was like another one of those star treatment moments and I was like yo this is freaking great um, <laughs> you finally got the director treatment that you were supposed to get right <laughs> yeah so yeah that, that, like, yeah, that, that you dreamed beautiful. about that you see that's on TV or that you see that's I, on yeah I, you know I, I kind of always dreamed about being on like the Tonight Show and locally even the magazine and our Arsenio Hall show one day but you know just just getting that like I didn't I didn't expect with this little short film to get that kind of like attention and treatment and it was beautiful because um, ultimately um, it's actually become required viewing viewing at the University of Wyoming in the education department. Oh wow! So, um, like yeah, it's like a, it's, it's, it's a part of the curriculum. Yeah. Wow. And like that, is, wow. that to me that was that was like I said that was great. Like you know this little movie, you know, so you can't you can't make any excuses why you don't make movies, especially nowadays because the equipment's even cheaper now than it's it's on your device. Zone. It's it's on exactly. your freaking device it's at this your, point. Yourself, everybody's cell phone can make a everybody's can make smartphone a is a freaking studio. Absolutely, you can do everything from writing to storyboarding and sharing size, doing breakdowns, scheduling, editing. Um, you could do everything on your phone. So and, yeah, and, you have and, no excuse anymore not to make a movie. And what's what's well, real quick, let me switch gears real quick. So I want to talk about because the Negro Zone was just the, you know, getting that going. What was talk to me a little bit about um, you, you know, where I'm about to go with this. Talk to me about how was or what was the 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 the, the creation or the genesis of 
computer love. How did that bad boy get started? All right. So we got to go back, rewind, circa <laughs> 2000. Okay. Um, actually, might even a little circa earlier than that, but we'll just say circa 2000. Um, Black Planet was big. And, uh, um, yes, yes. I'm looking at <laughs> Atif, who at this point we've become really close friends, you know, go on a bunch of crazy hijinks, uh, meeting women um, online. My little brother at the time who was still in high school, met some girl in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and somehow basically ran away to go visit some girl all the way in Kalamazoo, Kalamazoo Michigan. Listen, we all, on it's, it's, a, it. it's a Gulliver's Travel yes. playbook. Yes. And I'm hearing <laughs> all these stories and I'm like, okay, there's a story there. So what happened was I started writing the script um, for Computer Love and I kind of had about 50 something pages, maybe, yeah, I'm gonna say, I guess around 50 something pages. And we was talking to Atif and I let him read what I had so far. And he said, This is my life. This is my life. Let me, have something this. Let me write this with you. So, um, you know, I can hear him say that too now. <laughs> I can hear that right crazy now. Crazy over the top Atif. He started adding his little nuances and we just kept started going back and forth. Um, with stuff. Once again, because we would meet in my house in, in Germantown and my office and, you know, we would spend like maybe two, three hours a night, three, four days a week working on this script. And um, we got it together, went to ABFF again, was trying to see if we can get uh, somebody to bite on it, to give us some money. And um, there was a Hollywood producer who fe- I felt like, or we felt like, was trying to steal it from underneath us. Oh, um, I consulted wow. with um, at the time, was an entertainment lawyer in Philly named James Elam. I consulted with him, and then I consulted with another friend from Temple who basically said, why are you waiting for people to buy into your vision? Just do it yourself. And then, you know, me and Atif was like, hey, it's not a bad idea. Not so a bad idea at all. Yeah. We met at the Chili's right there on City Avenue, and we decided, yo, come hella high water, we're making this film by this date. And then um, I mentioned it to Daryl Henderson, who said he would like to come aboard as I believe Daryl came aboard as executive producer and brought in Aaliyah Crawford over the temple with. Um, so it was uh, Harwood Duncan, Atif Lanier, um, Aaliyah Crawford as and myself as producers. Darwin was, was our executive producer and Patrick. Uh, well, I'm, I'm drawing a blank Salmon. on Patrick's last name. Patrick there you Salmon. go, Patrick yeah. Salmon yeah, yeah, yeah. was our line producer. And um, we did the whole investor thing. We didn't raise the number that we wanted, but we got enough where we could start production. And from there, you know, we did casting. And that was the biggest casting for a extremely low budget film that I know of. Cause like- Everybody in Philadelphia came for that. Everybody. Everybody. And, <laughs> and yes, you mean our team was just talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Like we had 174 people come out to audition for that movie over a course of- I think it was two days and it was a holiday weekend on top of that. Wow. Yeah, I remember. I remember that. It was huge. It was like bombarding right. of nothing but people all over. And right. that's how it, you know, and and I think that's a lot of the same story that I hear in Hollywood, you know, when there's like this, like when, with Hollywood Shuffle, everybody went out and, and, and auditioned for that, you know, because or anything that they see or find that there's something that they can bite on, you know, as an actor, you're like, yo, let's jump on it because you just you never know. So right. yeah, 
everybody in Philly is in that movie. <laughs> and the, and the premiere was huge. I was there, have, yes. That 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 first night was a nightmare because we had some technical difficulties, but we had to have like three premieres because like the demand for tickets was like so freaking high. Like once again, you kind of feel like a rock star because you got people calling you up trying to get like tickets to your little premiere, like I, this little movie. If like, I'm yeah. not if I'm not mistaken, um, well, so real quick, so you. Um, I'm geeking out for a second because you know this is this project is very personal for me because as a young actor slash visual effects artist, there was somebody that gave this little small podunk company slash actor a chance in a major film project in Philadelphia. Just, someone gave this little this little thing this little company a chance, and uh, that was you that was giving. My company, a small little podunk, little something in the corner company, a chance to say, we need something really dope for intros. You know, could you do it? And I'm like, are you serious? Now, I was beside myself because I'm like, this is my first joy. Of course, I want to be able to make some, you know, I want to be a good impression. I wanted this, I wanted that. Bro, I had absolutely no idea what the heck to do when I first got the call. I just said yes. And I'm like, okay, what the fuck am I going to do? What the fuck am I going to make? I had no idea what to do, but yo. I'm going to say this. You stuck your foot in it. You may not have known what to do. I mean, you ultimately know how to do it, but you may not know what to do, but you stuck your foot in it. You, you, you over exceeded everybody's expectations. I still get compliments. I still got compliments to your intro a, a, as recent as what, maybe a year or two ago. And that's still wow. Out. So, man. you know, you did the thing with not only the intro, with the outro, with the inserts of the, uh, I, you know, website. I wanted, I wanted to do justice with this thing. This was like, and yo, you did that, sir. I wanted to so do justice. And hats off to oh. I, I have no problem. Anytime I can get Lee Duvall involved in a project, yeah. Lee Duvall is going to be involved in the project. Um, I still want to do bigger and better things down the line with Lee Duvall as well. But yes, that, that was, you did an awesome job, and I, I want to say thank you in front of all your listeners. You were my first, um, man. You were the first to give me a shot. Um, it's so weird and crazy how the, the degrees of separation, just from the people that you were getting introduced to, I was getting introduced to as well. You know, when there was this, you know, set of actors that was auditioning, I was trying to audition as well, you know? So it, it is such a, it, and now like a thousand years later, you know, it, it's not just, actor to director or actor you know from in you know uh professional to professional it's friend to friend so you know it, it's it's amazing that after all these years you know i can just say this dude is just not you know he's just not a director this is a friend of mine you know and i and i call him friend you know with the most earnest and just because it's you know what and a fan you know so as I, I mentioned earlier, because so I'm a fan of you. It, no, I'm a fan of you, dude. So, you know, you're, you know, you, you're the guest. So you're getting all the love. <laughs> but uh, so I that was a that was a, a, a question. Yeah, we even had Patty LaBelle in the audience. That's that what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Do you, you remember Patty LaBelle was in the audience? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and because she was looking. Somebody told me that after the fact, she was looking for me afterwards because uh, everything didn't go as I planned. I felt bad. So I was upstairs how did on the she third get, floor how did in she the get back there? having drinks yeah, <laughs> <by> how, myself. <laughs> he was knocking them down. He was like, holy shit, yeah. there's problems. No, let me get let me get another drink. Let me get another drink. And I, then I went down to the second floor. Somebody was like, yeah, Miss Pat came and she's looking for you. Yeah, okay. 
Okay. So, oh damn. Do you know how? Do you know how that yes, came about? I do know how she came. Once okay. again, it's connections and connections going to Temple University. Oh, um, okay. I I met Aaliyah at at Temple. We were both in the film um, program, but we also used to work back then when it first opened up at the Apollo Center, which is now the Leah Chorus Center. Right. Um, she was one of the ushers, and I was the first or one of the first. Um, Apollo ambassadors, you know, I had to wear the little, um, the little nerdy like sweat sweater vest kind of thing and walk around and answer people questions and know yeah, all the facts about yeah, the yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was cool because back then I think we got paid like fifteen, seventeen thousand hours. So that was a sweet little gig. And we had to see the basketball games for free and eat for free out of there. But um we we got, you know we saw each other there again and you know in the film department and then you know. I left Temple. Well, she graduated. I left Temple. We ran into each other at ABFF. She told me she was doing um, PR. Um, she had a lot of big clients. That was also awesome. So she called me one day. They needed um, um, a video for her boss. So she was like, um, Mike, I need you to shoot this video for me and you can put it on your director's reel, whatever, whatever. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll be there. She's like, all right, so we're going to Peggy LaBelle's house. I said, like, we're going to Peggy's house? What? Like, yeah. So I got to go to Peggy LaBelle's house, meet Peggy LaBelle. Did she make you food? Um, Did she cook? She ain't cook. No, you know, that, that's what, no, because it, it was kind of late. So she had already, you know, she was oh. done for the night. So, um, and that that's one of my dreams. They had Peggy LaBelle cook for me. Like I, said, <laughs> I knew I made it when I got to go to you know you made it when you, have dinner with her. Yeah, when you so get when you get her yet, the but, official the, the official pies, not the stuff right, from the store, the official joint. Right. So yeah, so um I went through there, I recorded her singing Happy Birthday. I still have it on I think a hard drive downstairs. Um, I need to put that uh, Yo, on a newer hard drive. That but. would be dope, man. I mean, well, that's sacred moments, but I don't know how you would feel about showcasing it because all you, dude, man, we got to see this stuff, man. This is stuff that's right. like, like hidden I did gems. That, like a couple years ago, I edited a, a, a happy birthday video for Sean Stockman's son who had a, um, his bar mitzvah. Um, and that had a bunch of video drops from like Snoop Dogg and uh, Chaz, the rapper, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's the group? New Kids on the Block and uh, Backstreet Boys, like you know. And just for- like I've done that, I did a sizzle reel for Jermaine Dupree in 2009 that premiered the this uh, ACLU Awards. And that's and Sean from the infamous Boys to Men. Boys to Men, that's okay, right. For people that yeah. don't know. Who's Sean Stockman? It's Sean from, from Boys to Men. Sean yeah. Stockman, yeah. Skinny Slim from uh, Slim, Boys to Men. Skinny yeah. Slim, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've been able to do some things. Like I, I you know, I went to, I did Jill Scott's album release party for a second album. I think the same year I did Music's uh, uh, album release for his second album. I got to go videotape a party, Hollis Thomas party, the year the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, and um, you know, and I did some video work for um, Bobby Seals, the civil rights icon, co-founder of the Black Panther Party, and that was wow. Matt Cooper building a relationship with him. Wow. Matter of fact, I think that's the only time I actually got to do video work together with Mike Dennis because uh, he took us up. I believe it was the ship, and we did some video work up there because he wanted to put something together to. Um, he was trying to get uh, Michael Moore or some a big name director to basically do a documentary um, on the Black Panthers from his perspective, because you know he had, he has some issues probably still to today with the movie Panther. Um, wow! And I know he didn't like the one man Roger Guinevere, uh HBO John. Um, well, no, I think it was Showtime and Spike Lee did. Um, but um, that was awesome. Um, I 
I got to direct a, a promotional piece with David Mann. It was supposed to be his first dramatic show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which was a cool experience because he also brought his wife to the set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She I, was I've, extra I've, nice. And... Now, did she cook? No, nah, I wish. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> they were guests. They were I, guests heard that so they, I heard she could throw down too. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. But they were both great people. Um, that was another great experience that I've been able to um, to do. Like, I also got to go do the 20th anniversary party uh, up in Manhattan for W&W PR firm, um, who also provided me some other opportunities, like the Jermaine Dupree thing. Um, and that was cool because I was standing left to Alicia Keys, and I didn't even know it. Oh, wow. Um, like Kelly Rowland, you know, she was super cool. Steve Harvey was down to earth. Um I got to shake hands with Chris Carter because I'm a big Eagles fan. So that to me, wow. that was big meeting him. Wow. Um, you know, Ty Tribbett was there. It was like a lot of celebrities in the house. And I, you know, I got that footage. I, actually, I don't even know if I have all that footage. I wish I had all that footage. I wish, you know, but um, that was another great experience that I was afforded. So I've been doing it for a while and I've been able to make some positive moves. And once again, it's c- connects and relationships. So. When you see the the age of because of all of the things that we've experienced, you know, this is you know, we're in 2021 now. So the the idea of the indie filmmaker, you know, like how we were saying earlier, like it's not it's not anything at this point now to make a film. You, there's no excuses. You can just pick up your phone, depending on what phone you have, your iPad or whatever, and just start recording. Um to staying relevant and to staying, you know, exciting and fresh. Uh, do you see that as a challenge for, you know, filmmakers like, you know, that are seasoned, uh, that try to find something that's new and innovative? Uh, is Has that been the, do you feel that that's like a challenge now because of the, because, because of what's been going on in the world? And, you know, would that, do you find, like, what's been the, the personal challenge as, a, as an indie filmmaker? There's many things that we have. We can say money and all that stuff, but uh, for, I know for me, it's just, what is it that's new and fresh and innovative that we can talk about that is actually, like, worth talking about and making something viable to see? Because all the stuff we have on TV now is just, you know, nothing wrong with the superhero stuff. I love it, but, you know, just... It's just it's just a bombardment of this stuff that's just like oh god I don't I don't know how much I can take all this stuff so um, what how do you what how do you feel about the the challenges of indie filmmakers as of right now do you or do you even feel that there's a challenge okay um, all right so I was actually just thinking about that a couple of weeks ago so I'm glad you brought that up oh wow okay um, I'm, I'm in your yeah, head yeah exactly we th- we think a lot we of, think a lot of like we think a lot of like <laughs> yeah, exactly so all right so. The great thing about being an indie filmmaker right now is if you have an idea, there's you can still make it happen. Maybe not that particular movie. Maybe you have to come back down to earth, but you can still be creative and make something larger than the average person is thinking right now. So just I'm a big fan of the superhero genre, and I still think there are some concepts and ideas that can be done that have not been done that I have in my head that I need to eventually get out there. So I, you know, I still think there's room there. Um, okay. Just the fact that, you know, the shutdown changed everything. The pandemic changed everything. So yeah. there's room there's room for there. Um I, you know, got a couple stories there, a couple ideas I gotta get out of my head, but there's room there. Um I just think with technology now, like you said, your cell phone is a studio. You can do everything on your on your smartphone or your your tablet or your um 
laptop. If you're creative and innovative, you can tell a story similar to what they did with the last um, broadcast, which came out before Blair Witch, um, which was that similar single location, mm-hmm. single found footage camera. And then they, they flipped that into all, oh, I just had, um, just had it at the front of my brain and it went away. The superhero John with Michael B in it. Um, uh, uh, raising Dion. No, before raising Dion, he was in one. Um, okay. Uh, where him and two friends found this. Oh yeah. 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 Um, 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 yes, 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 yes. Uh, uh, Chronicle Chronicle. Yes. Chronicle. Yes. So, you know, the, the found footage thing, can, can, can Such an underrated them? movie, yo. Chronicle was right, so is. underrated. It, I, I agree with you. I still, to this day, I'm like, of all the first person shooter interview, you know, like uh, camera pointing, like that's an innovative way. Like, y- you want the camera pointing you? They all have superpowers. This person has telekinesis, right. so now you have now you have a way to have more freedom and movement with the camera. And it's just a, a dope story, you know. Right, I thought I, I enjoyed that. I really from enjoyed the whole that found footage thing or some camera thing better. I thought it was done better than Cloverfield. But I um, agree. I agree. Yeah. So, um, did you could you could do stuff that I'm not even thinking about right now. And like I said, it don't take much to pick up a camera. Um, and you can get some people like the guy who just did um, uh, was it Urban Concrete Cowboy? Concrete Cowboy, yeah who just did Concrete Cowboy. He used to make his own short films. He's a white guy who lived in, I believe, in Strawberry Mansion, and he used to cast the people from the neighborhood and make his films. So, you know, it probably is better if you can get some actors, especially if you're here in Philly. There's a lot of talented actors who aren't SAG, who just want an opportunity, who just want to work. Um, and if you don't mind filling out the time, and if you got a couple dollars, you maybe you can work something out with one of these talented local SAG actors that we have because there's plenty of them here. I don't want to start naming names and forget some people. Get people <laughs> the but we have a lot of, we have a lot of talent here in Philly period when it comes to the arts community. Um, and it's just going out there and doing it, kind of formulate a plan to make sure. And sometimes I believe you can accidentally fall into stuff. Like to me, I felt like with the Negro zone, like, you know, we made that movie during like a, a, a freaking blizzard, and you could tell in some of the scenes where the I snow see the, like, the snow pile up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, the, you I know, snow as high as our two shots, <laughs> and um, and it worked. And then, they, like I said, me being in, I wasn't even supposed to be in, and that was like a last minute thing, and it worked. And, you know, we did a lot of on the fly stuff because, like I said, the original script was twelve pages, and we added a lot of stuff in there. And I guess the final product is about twenty five, so we added about thirteen pages to the joint just through ad libs and. You know, just going with the flow of Murphy's Law. You know what can go wrong will go wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. You gotta, as an independent filmmaker, or as a filmmaker, period. No matter what your budget is, you gotta be nimble and you gotta be flexible. Um, because you know it's easy to shut down. And you know, I've, I've heard stories of directors crying on set and you know not knowing what to do when stuff go wrong. But I, I, I we've been blessed, or I've been blessed that when that happens, it's like, all right, let's just do this. It's like, don't even stop and think about it just like boom we got to do this and keep it moving and keep it grooving and you know when monkey don't stop no show you know we never had that attitude like oh we don't have such and such the project's over like no we go home and rewrite or we had it and um so i think like i said the beauty of a filmmaking like even if you don't want to use your phone you can go to walmart or any of those big box stores especially during the holidays and get like a, a camera bundle that you can basically just grab a couple of things, open that joint up and run and gun. And, um, like, yeah, like I'm still a fan of running gun. I'm still a fan of gorilla. I'm, oh, me too. I'm still a fan. Of I it. love gorilla. And if you can do it the right, I mean, okay. So gorilla filmmaking 
it is exactly how it says, you know, you're doing things that are not, it, it's unorthodox. Done right, you can have some of the best work, some of your yes. best creative work, you yes. know, pulled out and, and you're like, I made this. If it's done right, you know, some of the raw things that you put together, you'd just be surprised as to what you can accomplish. So, but I am still a fan of like, you know, just go out, gorilla, gorilla going. And if you got enough friends that's like, yeah, let's do it, you know, they'll do some crazy stuff. I remember my first right. film was a gorilla joint, and it was like, you know, they called the cops, and the cops was like, yeah, uh, we heard uh, there was a, a gun on, on, on the scene. I'm like, yeah, there is a gun, but we have a cop right here. It was the cop it was a, an actor that I, uh, I had casted. He's my, my frat brother, but he's also um, a Louis. At that time, he was a lieutenant in the police department, in Philadelphia Police Department. So uh, I knew that I was cool in case if there was any cops that came through, just in case. But we were in a really, really rough neighborhood. So anybody could have done anything, you know, any gangs right. or whatever. They could have popped up like, what's going on? But it was like, we're shooting a movie. Just shooting a movie, everybody. Just shooting. A it's the Asian. It's the, it's the Chinese restaurant right here. So, you know, we, we're not doing anything crazy. We're just doing a movie. So right. I had to make I sure that I yelled that out. And yep. then... And then, uh, and, and the funny thing is, is that the cops that did show up, they actually appeared in the movie. So that was pretty cool. So I, I, so guerrilla filmmaking, you just never know. You never know. You never know like, what you can pull shoot, out of that. Speaking of the Negro zone, that one scene where the cop car is rolling down the street after the one character got arrested. That was like, that was just great timing. Right. You know, that, <laughs> we ain't paving no cop car. It just happened to ride by. Just while happened we to ride so. by just and, by you know, sheer luck. Like, Exactly. Like, you know, you, if you know, if you go to the film office website, film.org, they'll let you know what you need or to do to shoot here in Philly, which the beauty about living here in Philly, unless you blocking off streets or shooting in front of a, um, a big thing like the art museum, you technically don't need a permit to shoot here, even though I've had altercations where or some runners with some cops where one cop tried to tell us differently. And I had a I had a state trooper or uh, off duty state trooper on, on set. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah. And, and then another time after we shooting, he got bills. Somebody called the cops on us. There was no guns out that time. And we had to talk to the cops, let them know, like, hey, da 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 da. Right. Like, okay. Right. Right. And yeah. And then there was another time I did a film literally right after film school called Seven Days of Justice, where it was gunplay. We shot on this one scene at the old Wanamaker School, I guess technically on Temple's campus. Um, during a police convention. <laughs> wow. And they're shooting blanks and the temple cop came over because we literally also right across the street from with the temple police department. So one of the sergeants came over and told us, are we crazy? What are we doing? And I know we only need permits, but do you guys are aware that there's a police convention going on and a sniper <laughs> right. on top of the roof on at the Leah Court Center just three blocks away? And so, yeah, we smoothed that, that over and just kept on moving. But I love all that, the whole let's hurry up and get the shot that we ain't got no permission to get in or right. let's just go. Let's just go with the moment, go with the actor's instinct, go to the, I'm going to go with my instincts on framing and, you know, we just going to make it do what it do. Cause I plan on actually doing that. You're going to be the first person to notice. I actually plan on doing that at some point this summer. You know, I want to go do some things that got some stories in my head and we just going to use those as outlines. Oh, hey go. man, you already know the deal, man. It's just a matter. You just giving the call. I just want to just say something on the, you know, on the ones and twos. Just like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll announce something. Hell, I'll done. be a, I'll, whatever. Write a radio it's guy. In done. There. I'll, is done. I'll be the guy that's sweeping the floor. I don't care, man. Anything that, that you're doing, done. I want to be. Cause a I always wanted to do an action adventure comedy. So, uh, you know, I got this concept I've been sitting on. We can do it as a short or we can stretch it as a feature. We hey, can do it as a man, you already short know. That's proof of concept. 
have to get somebody to do a feature. So, cause, um, yeah. So, um, well, that's crazy. That's funny that you said that. So, um, do you have an, a person that you've always wanted to work with? Um, actor wise uh, okay. or, so, um, you know, whatever, if it, it could be something to the moon or something local, whatever, how you feel like oh, there was something there's some local talent you, that I haven't worked with that I, um, your that wish I do want to work with your yes. wish list. Yeah. There is a wish list locally. And of course, you know, I would love to be able to work with some of, you know, a listers in Hollywood someday, like, you know, whether it's Denzel or Don Cheadle or whoever, like, you know, uh, yeah, the list is long, but locally, yeah, there's still a few people um, that I haven't worked with that I want to work with. I know some people got impatient with me. Um, I ain't going to say the person's <laughs> name. Somebody got drunk one night trying to tell me off. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, you I've been waiting for you down. to do a damn Did movie. You but me? What, 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 why, why ain't you ain't call me to do this damn thing? I've been waiting all right. fucking day. This is a bell shit. Give me another one of them uh, Jack, Jack Daniels over there. Yeah, drunk as a skunk. Right. I, I What was the, uh, it was Swing, um, which I still believe uh, of all of the projects that you've done, you know, they're, they're all personal, you know, they're all personal because there's always like that, you know, that phone call, like, Hey Lou, so I got this project, right? And I'm like, whatever, Mike, it's done. Just say, yeah, I'm, just stop right there. I'm in what you want me to do. So Cause Lou never disappoints. I, 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 because I never want to because of the project that is being thrown out there. But swing is such a profound and such an intricate film. Um, I know that it was supposed to be a feature, but then you broke it up into an actual series um, what are your plans with Swing now? Is that still like, you know what, that it is what it is right now and we'll look at it something maybe later on in the future or like, yo, we're still got more segments coming along the way. It's just the pandemic oh, yeah. was messing everything up. Yeah, we um we released three segments already, um, basically as standalone, either episodes slash um, short films. We hit the film festival circuit with it. Um, we won an award in... I'm bad at this part. I leave this up to our teeth, but I believe we won an award in Columbia. Um, we were accepted um, at the Newark International Film Festival. Okay, okay. Um, and when I say Columbia, I mean Columbia, South America. We won an award. We also screened in. Um, no way! Wait, wait, wait! Park that's in in South America. Yeah, I don't. I can't wow. remember the film festival. I gotta look up the res, the the production resume. But yeah, we won um, an award down in. Um, uh, yeah, Colombia. We uh, got into a film festival in Madrid, Spain. Um, we got like an audience award from the Python International Film Festival for ep- all this was episode one. Um, and I'm not even sure if episode one is the strongest one, but um, we, we made a little bit of noise with that one. Um, I think we did the festival circuit with two and three as well. Um, we, we're trying to get up on Amazon, have some technical difficulties, but in the meantime, we're already lining up um, the next two or the last two episodes of Swing. Um, so we there's had to, two more in the works. Yeah, I, I was actually supposed to be getting with our teeth so we can kind of, you know, make some adjustments to the script because it's been, honestly, we've been piecing these joints together over like six years. So it's been a lot going on. I know um, one of our actors has some health issues. I've had some health issues. So um, then we also was in a pandemic on top of that. So some things slowed down and drawn and drew out, but we're looking at finishing up. We're going to be filming those next two episodes or those last two episodes 
Um, I need that swing, August. man. I need that swing in my life, dude. I need it. I need yeah, that. Yeah. I need them two well, episodes. Somebody keeps telling me to take it to HBO, so I guess that's a sign. So uh, maybe when we actually, I can see it. I got, go from there. So. Because you know what? Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's it's it. You know what? It is very Lovecraft country country yeah, country exactly. country e esque. It is very much Lovecraft country ish. I like that idea. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna have to put something together and, and you know see what? If I can holler at some of my HBO. It's a good chance to do that now because of the merger that's happening with um, Warner Media and with uh, Discovery. So there's right. more of that. I know I was talking about this early with um, with with the cast and crew from uh, the Black Filmmakers Lounge that I that I do every Saturday morning. Uh, I was talking, you know, uh, briefly about you know that could be a good sign that AT&T right. broke off and they're like, I'm done. We're not doing anything more with the movie business. We're going to stay with what we're doing with the, with the technology and just being more telecommunications, which you should, that's, that's where you started. That's where you should stay at. Um, and let the people that run movies do movies. So the person yeah. that's actually running or will be in charge of everything, once everything gets, it's not going to be for a while because the acquisitions, the, the government needs to get involved approvals. So it's more likely, more than likely it's going to be in the next two years. But I say, if you get something now with the streaming wars, you know, it, I'd say jump on it because you just never know. You just I agree with you. Never everybody's know. looking for content. It's something everybody, for everybody. and it's which not is also the beauty of being an independent filmmaker right now. I was about to say to you, man, in in, in context of that, Quale TV could be a good outsource for that. You know, because they're very large and or growing. In, you know. Right in establishing themselves, you know, you just never know. Tubi, I, I don't, I don't ever look at the little guy, you know, like I used to look at. They're like, oh, it's just, you know, it's a free service. No, those, those little services, free or you, you Pluto TV, Tubi. Uh, look at the uh, noise that Godfather Harlan's making. Yeah, man. So you, you, you just—I don't ever discount any of those platforms or services because they all need content. So right. you, you, you're giving something that could be vital to pushing your product to to a brand new audience, to new to new right. eyes. So I'm dope. Yeah, that's dope, bro. So we need that in our lives, sir. Yeah. We need that in our lives. Uh, I wanted to ask, um, you know. Our listeners, we're all trying to get our past to Hollywood because you never know, Mike. There's always a person that's on the other end listening that is trying to be a director, trying to push themselves to getting to the next level. They may be a grinder. You know, there's like, you know, what do I do? How do I get there? You know, so those that are listening that are on the same pathway that's trying to be or trying to look for direction, uh, what gems? Because, you know, like I said, we're all trying to get to Hollywood. Either, you know, you're either taking 295 or 95 or 195, however the road that you're getting there, the roads still point towards Hollywood or success. Um, as a someone who's been in the game for so long, uh, what gems would you drop to someone that's on the same pathway that may want to take a, just a keen, just a, more, just, just a little bit of an, uh, of, a, of an insight, you know, from someone who's actually done it? You know, what gems would you be able to drop? I, I would just say uh, learn your craft study as much as you can because it's always changing. Steven Spielberg, who's one of the greatest directors of all time, said he's constantly learning. Um, This is something that's constantly learning. Uh, Techniques are changing. Technology is changing. There's a a new producer's guild that's um, about to change the game that um, Chris, what's Chris's last name from Project Green? Like Chris Moore? 
okay. is uh, getting behind. So that's going to change um, how content is probably going to be done over the next few years as well. Um, just, just, just learn. Like if you can, you know, read the trades, whether it's deadline or the Hollywood reporter or um, whatever, like everything is on the internet, like just go do it. Or if you can pay a, uh, Nineteen ninety nine a month to get a subscription to, uh, you know, whether it's some kind of trade um, online site or, or mm. actual physical copy, like mm-hmm. do that, like learn, like if you want to be a director, you know, take your time and learn what a director is, what a director does. If you want to be um, wardrobe, find out what a wardrobe person does. Up to the great Ruth Carter, there's articles and stories about her all over, you know, if it's a casting director, Robbie Reed, or somebody else who um, you may like, or even somebody local like we have here in Philly, um, whatever it is, because there's a lot of positions, you know, behind the movie. You know, everybody says that the director's the author, but filmmaking is a collaborative effort. Um, the stronger your team is, the stronger, I believe, your project will be. Um, you don't always necessarily have to have the best story, but just find something that works for your audience. If it's something that's super thrilling, if it's something that's um, super action or super funny or, you know, the the drama porn, as people say, is out there <laughs> right. and becoming very popular for web, you know, web shows, whatever, like, like study all that, learn all that, find your audience. What is, who is your audience? You know, what makes you laugh? What do you like? Like, just, you know, figure all that out and just, just go do it because, you know, I think coming up and doing this, a lot of people said one of the things that they like about working with our teeth and myself, or just, you know, even journeys of doing stuff on my own is just like, you know, you just don't talk about doing it. You go out there and, and you do it, but you know, it's yes, you do. to me that, that that's the only way, like, you know, cause I sat around there. There has been some times where I sat around and honestly waited for a Spike Lee or George Lucas to fall out of the sky and say, Oh, I seen your work. Do this next project with me. So that's not going to happen realistically. So you got to put yourself out there and you just got to do it. And like I said, right now there's no time better than the present because there's so many ways to get your work out there. Um, the internet is viable when you can break it down into YouTube and Vimeo, or like you said, with the streaming networks or, do some grassroots marketing that somebody else hasn't done because electronically you can do so much mm-hmm, whether mm-hmm. it's QR codes or just even the old school email blast and hope it goes viral <laughs> that way. Right. And, right. You know, there, there's still, there's still so many different ways to get stuff out there. Um, and I just challenge you to just go do it. And hopefully people will accept that. Um, because the info, like I said, the information, there's so many different YouTube videos. Like, I'm looking at getting a new camera, um, hopefully soon. And the camera that I'm looking at, there's like dozens of videos on why this camera is good and the couple flaws that it has. And, you know, for the price point, why it's so great and everything mm-hmm, else. And it mm-hmm. just got me hyped and excited. And like I said, I got some projects that I've been fortunate and I've been blessed to get paid to do for other people. But, you know, when I get through what I'm, what I'm working on now, like, you know, I'm excited about just experimenting, like you said, doing some guerrilla filmmaking and getting a group of some talented local filmmakers, you know, because this pandemic is loosening up a little bit. A little bit. A little little something, something. Yeah. A little something, something. When you you know that the weather's getting hot. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. With some of these talented forces still here in Philly, you know, like, I'm fortunate and I've been blessed to work with the talent that I have been 
able to work with behind the camera, in front of the camera. Like you said earlier, like I look at Neil Carr, I'm, I'm proud of what he's doing. Kevin Savage, unfortunately, we had to cut his scene out of computer love, but that dude is doing awesome. Man, um, I'm trying to get him on the show too, man. So yeah, he's right. he's a he's he's one of those he's one of the giants for Philly. Yeah, both him yeah. and Neil. Yeah, yeah, like you know, like I said, they were all part of Computer Love, that whole Computer Love family. Like you know, the resumes <laughs> on that joint was crazy because I even right. remember uh, talking to you know, because a lot of actors that I work with normally the the, the Keith Pillards, the Teeth Veneers, and the Kia Dillards, and even Donovan Hagen I work with from time to time. Like, you know, they were telling me stories like, what is this Negro zone? We keep seeing it on everybody's uh, resume. <laughs> and they were all on the wire. And they get, this right. qu- they get these questions from the casting director that are freaking wire. Right, so, right. you know, um, I've been able to work with a lot of talented people. And I, I, I'm proud of that. Um, but like you said, I'm pushing to get to the next level and just to get to the bigger budgets. But regardless of when that happens, I'm going to still be cranking out stuff. Um, over the pandemic, I wrote like, three shorts and started working on two features. Um, I lost one short. <laughs> I lost because I was doing it longhand and tight, but um, I got a lot of material um, that I've just been sitting on, whether it's in my head or if it's down on paper, if it's in a computer, and I just want to start banging out as many as possible. So I'm excited about what the future holds um, as far as just filmmaking, filmmaking for me, filmmaking for the city, the community, and, you know, the country, the world. So I'm, I'm excited and I'm ready to work. So we've reached the part of the show where I ask my guests the questions. These questions are from Bernard Pivot, and it was famously asked by the late James Lipton from the Actor Studio. Oh, I love the Actor Studio. I love the Actor Studio too. Miss uh, Mr. Lipton, uh, but I am the torchbearer. I am, I am, I am pressing the torch on and asking these questions because you just never know, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, if you can't get on the actor studio, you can get on the Lewis of All Experience and you get these same questions asked. So if you could, my dear friend, and if you could indulge me uh, in these questions, Mr. Pender, what is your favorite word? I believe it's zeal. 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 Okay. Explain. <laughs> um, it's zeal is like a passion and energy, a drive for something. Ah. You know, as in zealot, you know, somebody who's excited, ah. excited about doing something. Yes. So like I'm, I'm, I'm a film zealot. I'm, you know, sometimes I'm a zealot about just life in general or having fun or laughing, you know, um, I love zeal. Sorry about that. Somehow my face triggered that. Um, but, you know, I, I love the word zeal. Um, energy and passion. Um, you know, I, I love that word zeal. What is your least favorite word? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to say can't for now. Yeah, I, I hear that a lot. Can't or no. It's a they're they're they're, they're the they're the directors. Well, I, I need to go-to. learn no a little bit more. <laughs> Actually, I need inside, to say no a little bit more. <laughs> inside joke right there, ladies and gentlemen. Inside, if you if you if you ever get to talk to a director, and the outside of you know just the personal conversations, I understood that reference, sir, and it really struck a, a chord in my in my heart when you said I should say no a little bit more. I get you. Yes. Uh, what excites you or turns you on? 
Um, brand new day. Rest, good food, friends, family, laughter. Um, believe it or not, from time to time, a good workout, movies, TV show. Um, sometimes even bad TV shows, because my thing, the great thing about movies is, um, and movies and media period is it gives you something to talk about, bond and relationship, whether you like it or not. And what absolutely turns you off? I'm going to say ignorance, Mm. blissful ignorance. Mm. Good one. What sound or noise do you enjoy? When my daughter calls me Papa. What sound or noise do you absolutely hate? A car horn at 3 a.m. while I'm asleep. <laughs> I feel you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so other than the profession that you have, uh, what other profession would you attempt to do? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I know at one point I briefly flirted with um, being a history teacher. I can see you being a history teacher, sir. Yes. Uh, What profession would you absolutely despise doing or not attempt to do at all? (laughs) That's a great question. And I believe I've thought about this, <laughs> but I'm drawing a blank right now. So let's see. Um, a profession that I would despise. I've heard stripper uh, before. Some people said stripper I, and I'm like, I think okay. I could have fun being a stripper. Oh, well then there you, mm, there you go. <laughs> My pivot, y'all. As that stripper man. I'm sorry. I apologize. I already got an alias. Somebody gave me Pike Johnson. Oh, <laughs> wow. No, I'm sorry. We Shadow King. We Shadow King. Shadow. That's even. Shadow dude, King. Dude. <laughs> I think it's appropriate. But, um. Hilarious. Um. Oh, that's a good one. I don't know. Um. You know what? I would not want to be the dudes who go up on a Ben Franklin bridge and paint that bad boy. I was actually watching that. Um, I believe this past, actually when I was watching the, almost a week ago and I was like, no, I know they get paid like $35 an hour, but I couldn't do that. A person who restores bridges, be it either construction or painting. That is yeah. a big hell. No. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And lastly, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome home, Michael. Wow. Wow. Michael, what are you binge watching right now? Are you binge watching any TV shows or anything? Oh, of course. What you, what's uh, your binge? What's your, what's your, what's your guilty binge? Guilty. Ooh, I don't know if they're guilty. Because uh, I, 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 I watch what I... Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I do actually have a guilty binge watch. Um, Glee. I never watched Glee. I never wanted to watch Glee. Wow. Uh, 
Somebody got me to watch Glee, and I was loving the first three seasons. Someone got me to got watch. Kind of thin around four, but someone got me to watch Shit's Creek, and I'm like, why would I want to watch Shit's Creek? I saw the first episode. I think it was Walter DeShield. Walter DeShield said, "Yo, you got to watch Shit's Creek," and I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I I I blew, I pounded through the rest of those episodes in seasons. Yo, so I'm like, oh too. my god, that is the best show I've ever seen. It's hilarious. So I finished. Uh, I believe I finished Shit's Creek in the beginning of the year. Wow! Um, but I loved it. I stumbled onto it late um, on Netflix. Right. I loved it. I saw that they. Well, granted, you know, it was originally the the thought of the or the brainchild of the son of Eugene Levy, great comedian from SCTV, right. Splash. Uh, American Pie and a bunch of other great classics, Armed and Dangerous. I can go down the list. Right. Um, so he brings relationships and connections that we just don't have. But they did a proof of concept that was like 14 minutes long. They got picked up, went back to Canada, shot it, banged it out, loved it. Great uh, thinking man's comedy. Um, yeah. Um, that was one of my favorite shows. Like I said, I finished it early this year. Uh, kind of wish I didn't finish it as fast as I did, but at the same point in time, I just wanted to see what's happening next with David and the rest of the, uh, the rest of the crew. Yeah. yeah, the rest of the crew. Michael, where can people find you at if they wanted to search for you? Um, I guess on Instagram at Philly Film Bull, um, P H I L L Y P H I L M B U H L, um, Facebook at Mike A Pender. Um, just that simple. Um. Or you want to email me, um, phillyfilmbull at gmail.com. Spelled the same way I spelled on Instagram. P-H-I-L-L-Y-P-H-I-L-L-D-U-H-L at gmail.com. Wow. And wow. Well, you guys heard it here first. So I just want to thank my honored guest, thank Mr. You Michael for Pender. Me. I enjoyed myself. Mike, I got to say, man, for all the years that we've done this and just doing certain things, this has been a first. And thank you for giving me your precious time and love for the show today, bro. Thank you I for having s- me. I'm honored, flattered. Bro, I, I, I can't simply thank you enough, man. It, it This really means the world to me, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Now, a moment of poetry. Suppose words were sufficient. Red carpeted escort to plateaus that extend beyond momentary pleasure. Whispers would unfurl mysteries of one's most intimate self. Every utterance captivating and ushering their auditor to a sanctuary of security. Where declarations deeply rooted in highly esteemed transient tongues cast into whirlwinds with impulsive proclamations unredeemed from time and space. Mitigate the sword within the beast. Cause the false dispatching to cease. That was Anita Lorraine. This was a piece from her book, 52 Weeks of Passion and Pain, which can be purchased on her website, www.lulu.com. That's L-U-L-U 
Lewis.com. On behalf of the Lewis DeVault Experience, we say thank you to all of you who are listening. And if you are new here, please subscribe to the podcast. That way you'll never miss out on any of our future episodes with these awesome, amazing, and wonderful guests that are emerging on the scene. Check us out on Instagram at the Lewis DeVault Experience. Leave a message or share what you think about the show. And who is your wish list guest that we should have on? You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and now iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. So until we meet again, be blessed, create, and as always, rock steady. The Lewis Duvall Experience is a production of Soul Magic Studios.